0: Podiobooks.com, in association with PJValentine.net, and WritersExchange.com presents Weaver's Web, written and read by Philippa Ballantine. From the beginning, eshime had made it clear to Lord Damon that she was in charge. However, practically from the first moment they were outside Skellig's gate, he tried to usurp her. Urging his almost ridiculously small pony up to the leading group of wolves, he ordered them in ringing tones to move ahead and do some scouting. The men looked at him, and with slow smiles explained that Ashime was the only one they would be taking any orders from, and if the Lord Damon wouldn't bother them at the moment, that would be very nice, thank you. When Ashime called the same men to her and quietly instructed them to disperse and scout, they obeyed without question. Dropping from their ponies, they ran off in long, loping strides. Damon glowered at her and fell back among the ranks of wolves. But watch that one. Connor rode knee to knee with her while his eyes scanned the horizon. He's a wee bit clever for his own good, and he holds a grudge from what I've heard. Ashimay bit back a sharp retort. I'll bear that in mind, Connor. Jerris, I need you for a moment. It tightened its grip on the reins, but spared her a look. What is it, Ashimay? "'I'm counting on you to tell us if we're going to run into... something unpleasant.' "'Its pony snorted and jogged a little to the left. "'Jeris clenched. "'The damn creature didn't like its smell, "'taking every opportunity to remind it who was really in control. "'I'll try.' "'And you too, Lou?' "'I'll do what I can. "'Though I think you'd better rely on Jeris for most of this. "'I've only ever seen a weaver once.' "'The godling shuddered at the memory.' "'I think we're all going to have a chance to do that,' she said dryly. "'They rode on, taking the northern road away from the coast, deep into the mountains. "'As always, Ashumay felt dwarfed by them. "'No matter what lofty ideals humanity had, "'in the face of such permanence, they faded to nothing. "'Their luck held. "'The weather was freezing but clear, as ice coated the hills. "'Even so, from this distance, no details could be seen. "'Ashumay knew villages there intimately.' She fell back from the others, recalling that dreadful winter trek. The cold was so powerful that the fearful stinging in her fingers had after a while become nothing. Her eyes were sightless, her body moving on pure instinct. Death had been close then, as close as a lover had ever been. None had ever survived such a snowstorm. The villagers, finding her frozen in a million shades of silver by their well the next morning, considered it a miracle. So the legend had begun." Eshimé now knew that it had nothing to do with the Divine, but was rather a benefit of her weaver blood. It was a dark gift from her father, whatever he had really been. Are you all right? Connor leaned across, touching glove to glove and squeezing. "'The people of these mountains are good people,' she said. "'They took me in, cared for me when they had so little, and I won't let them down now.' The eyes she turned to him were fierce and wide. They won't be fodder for the weavers. The others rode on while Ashime waited until Jerris reached her. Leaning over, she caught hold of its pony's bridle. I would speak with you alone. They both dismounted and took a moment to walk the trail together. I have something to ask you. Jerris sighed, experiencing her frustration and confusion through the link that had opened between them. Whatever it is, I'll try. I... I... Her back was toward it, her head bowed. I want you to teach me. Teach you what, Ash? Weaver things. Her heart pounded in her chest, and the words boiled out of her. All her life she'd been fighting the dubious gifts of her father. From the moment he had turned on her kin, she had built high walls around the feelings and power that were inside her. But now she knew she'd need to be able to control it in the face of weavers. Jairus, looking at her, noticed the tight set of her jaw and the suspicious brightness in her eyes. What could it offer her? Muscles and skin flowed to mail. It had no control over that. Her nearness inspired it. Did she know? How could she not? You don't understand, as may. My past is closed to me. I only vaguely know what I can do. I wish I could teach you, but how can I when I don't know about it myself? That was not the answer she'd been looking for. A single glistening tear escaped her control. The rage still battered her from within, and she had hoped that Jeris might show her how to contain it. Ashime was a reed, buffeted by winds from every direction, just as he was. They stood face to face for a time, wordlessly sharing their pain. "'How can we win?' she finally whispered, a little frown settling on her brow. "'Why am I even bothering?' Jerris took her hands then, "'trying to send her some of his strength. "'Some battles must be fought, Ash, "'even those we know we can't win.' "'She bit her lip and clenched his fingers, "'sensing the blood they shared, "'pounding to the same rhythm. "'Dear sweet Jerris, she said, "'looking into his soft, amber eyes, "'that always looked vaguely hurt. "'Why are you here, "'among people that can only tolerate you at best? "'Why did you risk your life on Dunleary for strangers?' She genuinely wanted to know. But whatever Jerris might have said, he didn't. After all, he thought, blood knows. But she needn't. Are you coming? Damon bellowed angrily from the ridge ahead. We must make camp before dark. Yes, as she may said. Slipping her hands quickly from Jerris. We'd better move on. The weather held until dusk. "'The wolves were used to hard travel, "'but Lou, unused to the deprivation of the trail, "'suffered the most. "'He made no complaint, as he was helped down from his pony, "'but his face was pale. "'Ashimay led him over to the fire and settled him there, "'covered in her own furs. "'They were on the very edge of the tree-line, "'and tomorrow would be the day that the godling would need his strength the most. "'The pass was steep and icy. "'Did he have the strength to make it?' "'Connor was just asking Jeris the very question "'in hushed tones. "'The old man looked shaky.' may came up to them, catching his comment and drawing them further from the firelight. "'We need him,' she chided. "'Why do you think the weather is holding back?' I knew he was powerful,' Connor said, appraising the older man with a new light. "'But the weather?' "'We certainly can't afford to be slowed down by a storm,' Jerris agreed. "'We'll keep an eye on him.' They rejoined the group, huddled around the fire, and began to share out the rabbit stew. Swords were snatched up when they heard someone approach, but it was merely one of the scouts.' his face was grim as he sat down with them, as she sighed. "'What's the news, Hogren?' "'Bad,' he muttered, as he stripped his boots off and set them to dry by the fire. In the mountains, feet were something to be cosseted. "'I found a rockfall ahead. The pass is blocked. We won't be able to get the ponies over it.' A grim, shocked silence followed. The Lystra pass had never been blocked. Not ever.' "'We have to go on,' Ashime said, holding her hands out to the flames. "'We'll leave some men behind with the ponies until we can get back.' The wolves grumbled a little at that. Certainly there would be enough volunteers to remain behind. No one was too keen to walk the mountain passes in this weather. Damon pulled his lave about him and lowered his chin. His steel-grey eyes met Ashime's across the fire. She knew exactly what he was thinking. A thousand years of recorded history, and never had there been a rockfall. Whatever force could do that couldn't be imagined.' and who could guess what they might find on the other side? Silence prevailed after Hogren's news. They ate their meal quickly and settled down for the night, each nursing their own version of the same concern. As lay wrapped in her furs, feeling the comforting presence of the wolves and her friends about her, yet sleep eluded her. The stars were a bright blanket above, but the moon hid her face. Were her friends alive to see it? Or worse, would dark echoes of them, twisted by weaver arts, confront her? These fears chased each other round her head, making themselves greater in the action. At last, sleep caught up with her. The next morning, she and Damon supervised their preparations with great care. These mountains took lives easily, but there were ways to minimise the risk. She handpicked twenty wolves who were the most experienced. They packed their boots with hay for warmth, and donned three layers of fur and clothes. Luckily, they had enough stout birch snowshoes for all. Bidding farewell to those remaining behind, they set off. The trees soon dropped away from them, and they began the steep climb up the pass. Lord Damon and Hogren led the way, stamping their feet deep into the thick snow, so that the others might more easily follow. Eshumay remained in the middle of the group, keeping herself close to Lou, and surreptitiously lending him an elbow when he seemed to need it. They all wore their furs, pulled about their heads, so she couldn't easily gauge his expression. The life of a godling was more one of spiritual hardship than physical, and he could not be finding the going easy. Many times he stumbled, and but for her would have landed in the chilling snow. The travelling before had been merry indeed compared to this. They communicated in short gasps and grunts, not daring any more. As she knew the chances of avalanche here was very real. A voice out of turn could cause all to be swept away. The clouds had swept in from above, low and grey, which usually meant the onset of snow. But their luck held. Lou said nothing of it, and she was reluctant to question him. At last they reached the plateau of the Lystra Pass. Here, two jagged mountains met, running shoulder to shoulder, but, like country folk, the entire world over didn't seem to like to invade each other's space. The sheer walls of the pass were one of the unchanging marks of the earth. In spring they were carpeted with lush greenery, but now all was swept clean, only a sullen grey expanse of rock and snow. Immediately they saw what Hogren had meant. A heavy fall of stone blocked the pass, at least ten men high and slippery with ice and snow, Even a mountain pony would not dare such an extensive hazard. Its feet would not be guaranteed any safe purchase. The travellers stood panting for a moment, taking the measure of the task before them. Damon, with his usual grimness, remarked, "'That's evil work, if ever I saw it!' In all their history, no one had ever thought of destroying the pass. It was the only safe route out of the mountains that sheltered more than just the Lystra clan. "'The snow's not so heavy on the rocks!' "'Connor said, wiping ice from his eyebrows, "'his breath a long stream of white from his lips. "'It can't have happened long ago,' Ashime said. "'They soldiered on, helping each other up over the uneven surface, "'feet slipping on the ice. "'Occasionally a leg would falter and come down between two boulders, "'a short oath would follow, and all would try to be more careful. "'Ashime watched Connor and Jeris support Lou up the gradient. "'At times they were almost carrying him. "'Casting a suspicious, worried look upwards, she followed. "'Deep and uneven the fall might be, "'but it did not take them long to surmount it. "'How far to the next village?' Lou asked, between laboured gasps he could ill-conceal. "'Not long. Maybe nightfall,' Damon replied. "'The godling said nothing, but his posture seemed to slump. "'The clouds rolled a little nearer. "'Jerus and his male form swapped a concerned look with Eshimé, "'but nothing could be done. "'They laboured on through the rest of the pass, heads down, "'each locked in their own struggle. "'The air was thin here, and the temptation was great "'to suck in as much as possible.' Ashime knew the danger in that and warned them not to succumb to one of the greatest mistakes travellers made in the mountains. Controlled breathing was essential. Yet each footstep was a battle against the drag of snow. Muscles complained and eyes burned. Thankfully the cloud had obscured most of the brightness. It was a constant, repetitive motion. Pull foot loose. Step up high. Drag. Pull foot loose. may remembered all too well the rhythm of it. But here it was not natural. The past was usually relatively free of snow Could it be that some sort of weaver unpleasantness was behind it? The day passed in a haze of repetitious movement and the occasional pauses. All of them were exhausted as dusk drew near, but Damon lured them on with promises of hot meals waiting for them at the next village. All of them, even Ashumay, began to doubt that such a place actually existed, until they crested the edge of the pass and looked down into the valley. The sweeping vista that greeted them was crisp and blue pale. They could make out a cosy cluster of houses with bright lights gleaming against the stillness. Their mood lifted a little. Feet were suddenly lighter. The first Ashimay knew of the danger was Jeris's cry of alarm. He and Connor had drifted to the back, one on each side of the worn-out loo. Spinning around, she saw them struggling with the old godling. She rushed over to them as best she could, her furs dragging about her ankles. She felt like an overstuffed chair, struggling to get there. The godling was bucking and heaving between them, and a whining noise issued from his throat. While they cradled him, she hastily pulled aside the coverings about his face. What she saw boded ill. His eyes were twisting in his head, sometimes seeming to disappear into nothing, while his teeth were jammed tight, his lips working furiously over them. A thin stream of saliva was running down his face and freezing there. His whole body was rigid, and his limbs felt like boards. She cast a look over her shoulder and round about, trying to see what could be causing this, but there was nothing. "Jarus," she asked in her calmest voice. "'Could this be Weaver's?' Her friend shook his head. Not that I can sense, but then he shrugged helplessly as Lou bucked and shook. Look, will someone do something? Connor's expression was desperate, as he tried fruitlessly to secure the godling's limbs. Then, just as it began to look as if Lou might snap his own arms, he sagged limply between them. Jarrus lifted his eyelids and pressed his ear to his chest. He's alive, was the verdict. But we must get him into the warmth. Swiftly, the wolves lifted the old man up. Ashimee cushioned his head, letting it loll against her shoulder. Despite the bulk of his furs, Lou was frighteningly light. They made a double-quick time towards the village, even though their legs protested. When the group drew closer, she was the first to notice something strange, before even Damon. Ten high-wheeled wagons, painted in Lystra clan colours, were drawn up outside the large hall. These wagons were only used for the transport of the clan to the moot, as she may worked frantically to process this. If the wagons were here, then her friends must have made it through. But what on mother's earth could stop them from getting to the moot when they were so very close? Even with the rock slide, it was not impossible to walk to Skellig from here. The wolves banged on the door of the hall while she, Jairus and Connor propped Lou's frail form up. Ashime felt her skin prickle nervously, knowing something was watching them. The door was thrown open by a familiar shape. Merrick! She grasped him to her, expecting a welcoming embrace. Otay get in! He urged her company between the doors and then shut them firmly behind them. "'At least it's warm,' as she may thought to herself. "'But certainly there was little else that was inviting about the place. "'It had once been a village hall that other villagers might well have envied, "'but now it was a refuge. "'It brought to mind immediately the caves of Dunleary. "'It had a similar air of hopelessness about it. "'Heads were raised about the room, more a habit than because of any real interest. "'The golden-green leif of the Lystra was reduced to mere blankets around her. "'As she may sighed, "'I hoped you wouldn't come,' Merrick took her by the arm, leading her to the fire. But suspected you might. Of course I would. I'd never... speak mother! She released Lou and strode to the circle of people. Guston and Crinus rose to meet her. She took in immediately their hounded looks and wounds. Guston's hand was strapped to his body, and Crinus peered at her with one eye, the other being concealed beneath the massive bandages. What made her heart lurch was Roso. In the light of the fire, his blond hair tangled about him. He lay stretched out, covered in blankets. His chest was scarcely moving, and a thin line of sweat beaded on his forehead. He was so pale. Crouching down, she took his hot hand in hers, but there was no response. For a long moment, she looked at him, focusing on each ragged breath he took. What's the matter with Lou? Guston was helping Jerris and Connor settle the godling down next to Roso. He just collapsed, the young sit-ken explained, shaking the snow off his back. What about Roso? Same, Gwyneth said. It must be the place. Eshima rose, wearily pulling off her hood and examining the room about her. Perhaps seventy people crowded into the hall, meant to hold about half of that, most of them women and children. Their expressions were deeply familiar, and ones that she was heartily sick of seeing. Despair compounded by despair. I can guess it, but I'd rather you told me the whole story, she said, slumping down between Roso and Lou, a hand strained to each. "'We made it through, coming in,' Guston began. "'Thanks to Solistra,' Merrick checked in "'and gestured to the gold-pale mother, handing out steaming bowls of soup. "'She spared him a swift look.' "'Crinus adjusted his bandages. "'As we gathered the clans, like you asked, "'but the real trouble began when we started to bring them down. "'The snow set in.' "'Guston sipped idly at his cup of soup. "'That was first. We couldn't see. The horses started. "'And then we heard screams. "'We were attacked.' Merrick interrupted with his usual bluntness. Weavers. Roso collapsed just after. And with the pass blocked, we had no way of getting all these people out. Sir so Lystra was now wiping Lou's brow, her facade shattered by worry. We couldn't leave them. No, of course not, Ashima sighed and looked at her friends. Practically everything she loved on Mother's Earth was in this room, and she felt very responsible for them. Is this all of the Lystra? Damon was picking his way carefully among his clan. Often his head bowed to speak, or his hand reached out to comfort. So Lystra nodded, eyes turned away. The Lystra warriors went out after something that was killing their sheep, Crinus explained. They gathered from all the villages hereabouts. None returned. Sweet Mother, guide me, Ashime whispered under her breath. The weavers had managed to accomplish in a few short weeks what generations of living in these mountains hadn't. Rage was at her side now, making her skin prickle in the atmosphere of this place. "'making her nervous. "'While the others talked amongst themselves, "'she drew Jairus aside as circumspectly as she could. "'They're here,' she said, her tone accusatory. "'I asked you to warn me.' "'I would if I could,' it replied mildly, "'but I sense no weavers about. "'And have you ever been wrong?' "'It shrugged. "'I wouldn't know, would I? "'In the mother's name, Jairus, "'now is not the time to come over all technical on me.' she snapped, hardly in the mood for verbal game-playing. I'm not suggesting you're holding anything back, but I'd like to be able to hear what you know. Jeris fixed her with a steady, serene, amber-brown look. There is nothing I can sense. Outside, the wind suddenly picked up, thrusting itself against the battered shutters, making the building shudder. Obviously, the hold loo had kept on the weather was gone. The ominous drop in temperature signaled snowfall. All of these things boded ill. "'Damon was making his way determinedly towards her, his brow thunderous, "'as he stepped over what little remained of his clan. "'Certainly there could be no more distressing sight to a clan chieftain. "'The clan was his to protect and represent until death, "'or, if he proved unfit, another was chosen, "'as she may knew that Damon would fight like a lion to protect those he had left. "'Few enough warriors remained to him. "'Something in his expression made her want to offer some comfort. "'Take heart. At least they are all safe here, Lord Damon.' This refuge will become a grave," he replied sternly. "Unless we move soon, my clan speaks of terrible creatures in the snow with power enough to finish all that are left." Nothing was gained in whispered conversation. As she may realized, she drew Jerris and Damon over towards the others. The circle around the fire became a council of war over the prone bodies of her friends. "We must agree on some way of getting all these people to Skellig," she said. "Whatever is out there will not be held off for long." And it would help if we knew what they were. Chipped in. They attacked us before, but no one really got a chance to see them. There was snow and fire. They are not weavers, Jerus asserted yet again. I'm sure I would know. I hate to say this, Silistra ventured, but perhaps they are makers instead. Damon shook his head. Makers are too flighty to keep up this long a siege. Not if something is drawing them here, "'Controlling them,' Solistra said. "'What could do that?' "'Ashima asked, her patience waning. "'Hold their attention for this long.' "'Not what?' "'Whom?' "'Jeris nodded. "'That would explain why I cannot sense a weaver here.' "'But it's ridiculous,' Guston said. "'No one here would!' "'The wind outside was roaring so loudly "'that it drowned out his words, "'and the people in the hall were flinching, "'huddling closer together.' They could all feel it, a weight in the air, a malignancy. Swords were drawn, and the circle disbanded, fanning out across the hall. Ashime found herself checking the front door with Mirak, while others rattled the hinges of the shutters to make sure they were bolted securely. Her friends and the wolves were the only warriors to protect these people. Mirak toppled over silently. One moment he was standing with her. The next, he was crumpled on the floor. Ashime had no time to get to him before she too was assailed. Her sword dropped numbly from her distant fingers. It seemed to take a long time to rattle to the ground. Then her legs would no longer hold her. The floor met her from nowhere. No feeling remained to either her skin or flesh, as if her body had been cut away. Only her sight remained, and from her angle on the floor she only had a view of the back of Merritt's head lying next to her. Strangely, this didn't seem to matter. What was that noise? The only sound she could hear about the slow thump of her own heart. Oh, yes the sound of wood being torn from wood. The things outside were coming in, through the walls. I hope you've enjoyed this chapter of Weaver's Web. If you want to get your hands on an E or print edition of this novel, you can do so through my website, which is p j v a l l a n t i. On this podcast you've heard Ghost Song by Hands Upon Black Earth which is available through magnatune.com All other music in this podcast is supplied by T. Morris Find out more about T at tmorris.com Thanks for listening